is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 1-800-259-9231, and tonight it's in here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free. We give those to you, unlike those other talk show hosts. They want to charge you for accessing their website. Ours is free. Freetalklive.com. Lots to talk about here tonight. We'll start things out with some good news. At least a little bit of good news. I mean, there's so much bad news out there in the world about the overreaching uh, government, uh, the the tyranny of the, the police state on the rise. There's so much to choose from uh, in the realm of bad news. But when we do come across some of the good stuff, we'll share that with you. First up, from the Drug War Chronicle, Denver may be looking at a, a big change to their marijuana possession laws. In fact, they may be changing to a maximum $1 fine. Holy the moly. Lo- yeah, the lowest in the country for simple marijuana possession. The city's Marijuana Policy Review Panel voted 6-2 to two Wednesday to recommend that the city do just that. The panel was created by the mayor in December of 2007 to comply with the will of the voters who had just passed an ordinance making adult marijuana possession offenses the lowest law enforcement priority. Right, and, but you know, law enforcement says to themselves, screw that, we'll do what we want. Yeah. And they really do. Or, I mean, if there's, if there's a penalty of X, $250, even if it's said that uh, it's the lowest uh, priority, well, 250 bucks is 250 bucks, and that usually goes to the bottom line of the police department, so the general fund of the, the town mm-hmm. or whatever. Well, I mean, they might just say to themselves, well, I don't have anything else to do. Might as well go, go arrest some potheads. Yep. So I don't the, see any other crime being committed around here. This will have to do. Yep. The vote came after a 2005 vote to legalize marijuana in the city, a vote that was ignored by local law enforcement and prosecutors, uh, who instead charged offenders under state law. So this is what we've seen time and time again, where uh, it started, of course, out in California with Proposition 215 back in the 1990s, uh, where the voters made it pretty clear uh, that they were interested in seeing some marijuana reform, and the police made it pretty clear that they didn't give a damn. You know, go oh, go ahead and say whatever you want. Put whatever initiatives together you want there, citizens. Uh, we'll just go on doing what we want to do, and you'll go on going, uh, you know, being put in jail cells and, and obeying us. Paying your proper ta- property taxes. Paying the uh, the fines, the extractions that we make uh, from you whenever we, when it, whenever we catch you. So... Uh, so I guess this is one of the ways they're kind of heading off the behavior by the, the police department is by, as they say here, by setting the fine at just $1. They're sending a message to Denver officials that the era of citing adults for using less a less harmful drug than alcohol is over. It's simply not worth the city's time or resources. I concur, said one of the panel members and SAFER executive director Mason Tevert, who coordinated the successful Denver Marijuana Initiatives. And so at the time, back in uh, May of 2008, the city attorney's office set the fine for possession at $50 and had arranged for payment to be made by mail instead of at a court appearance. Now it will be up to the city's presiding judge to decide whether to go even further and set the fine at $1. So unfortunately, this review panel doesn't have any actual control over these things. They can just make a suggestion, and they have made the suggestion that the fine be lowered even further. 
Denver Police Department's representative on the panel unsurprisingly voted against the proposal because, remember, the police are there to serve themselves and serve their masters in the state, not serve the people. So even though the people of Denver voted uh, back in 2000, uh, back uh, in 2005 to legalize marijuana in the city, they voted to uh, reduce the the priority of law enforcement. The law enforcement officers continue to act against the interests of the people who were, are supposedly voting to control them, which just show, it just goes to show how this is not in any way that anybody could claim this is a representative organization. And I don't believe that's possible, first of all, number one, because I don't think that it's possible for anybody to represent anyone other than themselves. Very accurately. You could be hired to represent somebody if they were the only person hiring you to represent them. But when you, once you bring two people into the, into the picture, things get uh, a little more difficult as far as representing them is concerned. Bring in 2,000 people and it's, you know, it's impossible. sorry, that's not possible. And we're talking about Denver here. So two, three mil, four, four million, three million. I don't, like I don't know. It's a lot. Um, but my point here is that it doesn't matter. You say what you want them to do. They do what they whatever they want to do. Yeah. This has been a process that has taken nearly five years for them to get to this point. The police continually work against the interests of the people that supposedly employ them. And why should they? It goes right back to what we were talking about on the Saturday night show about incentive. They have no incentive. They, even though there's enough people out there to technically vote them out of office. I mean, I know that that doesn't necessarily happen directly with the police people. But if they were to vote uh, different city commissioners in, they could theoretically overturn the uh, kind of the staffing of the police department through those through those channels. They're not concerned about that. They're just going right on doing what they're doing. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Maybe you've got some examples of the police behaving this way. Because, like I say, it's it's not just happening in Denver and in California. Anywhere somebody comes up with the idea to reduce the harm, to reduce the f- severity against peaceful people's lives from this insane war on drugs. Anywhere that happens, the police chiefs and their spokespeople turn out to talk about how how much of a bad idea this is. As though it's a good idea to continue putting people in jail cells who have not harmed other other people. As though that's a good idea. And, you know, all the scare tactics are trotted out on marijuana, and it's just so pointless. Everything you can, everything you can say about marijuana, um, you can say worse about alcohol or tobacco, and both of those are legal. Lieutenant Ernesto Martinez from the Denver Police Department voted against the proposal, saying there's no indication. I'm a shill for the man. He says there's no indication that there's a problem with the fine schedule. The panel is going outside of the bounds of the language of the ordinance. But in a sign of the times, Martinez appears to be one out, the one out of step with the panel and public opinion in the Mile High City. So the panel had voted 6-2 to two in favor of reducing the fines from $50 to $1. And if it goes down from $50 to $1, then it's not only the lowest priority for the police who've continued to enforce it. It really will be the lowest priority at that point. At that point. Because a cop's just not going to – they have a tendency, you know, maybe a little bit uh, of a pride issue in some police officers, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And they're just not going to stand there and waste their time right now out of $1 ticket. They're just not going to do it. No, especially if what happens – what's happening in Massachusetts starts happening in Denver. And the interesting thing is it's already happening in Massachusetts. And their fines $100 for marijuana possession. In Massachusetts, because it's just a violation or something like that, they're not paying. 
the people that are being fined $100 are not cooperating and they're not obediently going down to the district court and cashing, you know, pulling a $100 bill out of their uh, pocket and, and, and giving them that cash. It's just not happening. And so essentially the police are starting to give up down there. They're basically saying, why are we writing these tickets if people aren't paying them? Maybe we really should be doing something else. Toll-free numbers 800-259-9231. So, you know, it's a little bit of good news. Unfortunately, it's mixed in there with all the bad news. You'd like to think that if the people, the so-called citizens, and of course, if you've listened to the show for a while, you know that citizens don't really exist because citizens are people who have a duty of allegiance in return for an obligation of protection from the government people. Well, the government people have no obligation to protect you, and they have no obligation to provide you with anything, so therefore the whole idea of a citizen is, is out the window. But, you know, in this sort of fantasy political realm where everyone seems – most people seem to believe that the country is, like they, they still believe they can change things from within inside the system. And I, I, I think there may be a slight possibility of that if you have enough pressure. But even with voters saying definitively this is what we want, the system doesn't go along with it. The same thing happened here in uh, lovely Keene, New Hampshire from where we produced the show. Before we moved here, voters voted to sell a school building. They have this administrative building, which is a very ornate old building in, in uh, downtown Keene, and they just it's just full of school administrators. It's not even full. It's half right. empty. Right. So the, the voters had voted to sell that building, and they never did. No, nope, because the, uh, the 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 ordinance or whatever the referendum whatever whatever you call it uh, that's on the ballot said may instead of must. <laughs> <laughs> so they did what they wanted to do, which was not sell it. Yep. Uh, you know, there's no, no shortage of instances like nope, that. I think sure that uh, I, th- I I think that you know in New Hampshire, if we can uh, if get enough people here for the Free State Project, that they will have some kind of luck in using the system. I, it, so far, it, we haven't had much luck using the system on a nationwide basis. I understand that. Perhaps if we concentrate people, then we will. And then maybe combine that with uh, some property tax revolts, some tax revolts, where people just say, look, hey, I'm not paying for this. I'm all for that. Uh, more on the way, you can take control of the airwaves, because if people didn't pay, then the government would have to whip itself into shape. <laughs> more on the way, you take control. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Started the show out tonight with a little bit of good news. Unfortunately, it seems like you can't really get too much good news without something bad being mixed in. And we started out by talking about how Denver is looking at moving its marijuana fines down from $50 to $1. It's supposedly the lowest police priority, but the fact is the police don't really care what the voters think. And they'll go right out and do whatever they want to do, regardless of whatever people say. So that was kind of the bad side of the story. But Mark, you had some, uh, some good news in a, a particular court case, an update. Yeah, the, you know the uh, the court case where the the woman I think it was out in um, Missouri. Does mm-hmm. that sound right to you? I'm somewhere up there. And uh, she got found guilty for the the MySpace hoax. Um, this was situation. big news, where uh, the 13 year old girl killed herself allegedly because she was dumped by her 16 year old MySpace boyfriend. Turns out the 16 year old boyfriend didn't really exist. Uh, he was a fiction created by yeah. the mother of a 
of a, a former friend of the 13-year-old girl, as I un- understood. Lori Drew. Lori Drew is the name. woman's name, and the, uh, the little girl that killed herself was Megan Meyer. Uh, a judge ruled that Drew's misdemeanor conviction under the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act ran afoul of the vagueness doctrine. There's a vagueness doctrine. Did you know? News to me. Yeah. So glad it's there in this it's, case. It's, uh, apparently, they have a doctrine which prevents laws from being vague. <laughs> I wonder if they have an arbitrary doctrine, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, since it would be... <laughs> I know it, vagueness when I see it. Yeah, right. right? It, That's what it, the judge will say. But what else could it be? Yeah. How, how can you measure vague? I don't know. You can't. <laughs> right. Since it would give the government an inordinate amount of power to prosecute online behavior and would not provide sufficient notice to citizens as to what online behavior was illegal. Good for him. It's I'm good, for it's it. It's a good decision. I, I, absolutely. I just, you know, uh, is this a chink in the government's uh, armor when it's, uh, you know, going after, you know, your online privacy? I don't think so. Um, well, I mean, th- this I, woman went through hell. This, you know? well, this woman deserved hell, I must say. I mean, she did some terrible stuff. I don't think she should have gotten found guilty stuff or anything. Stuff like that is done every single day. I don't know if she deserved hell over sure. what she did. Somebody I mean, died as a result. You but know? no, I don't think... Well, now, hold on a second. That's well, kind of connecting right. dots well, that may not necessarily be connected. Some screwed this up teenage girl, girl was killed herself yeah. as a result of this woman's actions. Allegedly. It, well, you know, it, 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 yeah, it, it was because of that. Now, would she I, have killed herself anyway? Maybe so. Certainly. And I think that this is a good ruling and all that stuff, but... You know, you at the same time, this woman did some really crappy stuff. She got involved yeah. in her 13-year-old daughter's business, playing around with some other 13-year-old girl like she was in high school, screwing with people. Yeah. I mean, it's it was very juvenile, stupid behavior. And I'm not defending what she did. I'm just saying it's it does it's happening all the time. On I mean, it's the internet. People, people, people are faking stuff. who they are, trolling right. around on the internet, to be sure, and. You know, I, 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 it's hard for me to feel bad for this woman. It's hard for me to feel get bad for guilty people. Mm-hmm. And in this case, I think she's guilty of doing something wrong, something perhaps immoral, but not of doing something that that she should be put in a jail cell for. Because I just don't, you know, I just don't think so. So the ruling's been overturned, and that means that she's off the hook. Or was she convicted of anything else? Well, recall? this was just a misdemeanor here. This is a misdemeanor conviction under the uh, Computer Fraud and Abuse Act. I can't. And imagine that's a federal she... thing. Um, I think that the federal. As I recall, they wrote... they charged her federally. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll take your word for it. There's not a lot of. Uh, this is just a, a, a quick little blurb that uh, came out here, and uh, there's not a full. Article so a little, a little bit of good news, you know. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe that case being overturned will prevent them from zealously going after someone else in the future. In fact. You know what will probably happen is, since it was just kind of a little blurb, this will just blow right over, and maybe it'll just kind of go away. Maybe this this uh, this particular ugliness by the government won't uh, rear its head again, but maybe I'm just fantasizing. I don't know. Time will tell, right? Hard to say. Toll-free number is 800-259-9231. Uh, boy, here's some news that we haven't talked about in a little while, but we could have because it's continued to happen all throughout the, the year, and we're only, what, two-thirds of the way through the year at this point? Uh, Dakin Campbell over at Bloomberg.com saying regulators have now closed more banks. California, Maryland, Minnesota all hit yesterday, pushing U.S. bank failures to 84. They've closed 84 banks so far this year. The feds. The feds, feds have closed them, closed them or the banks just closed? I, I believe that most of them have been closed uh, closed down by the, by the, fed, the FDIC. Uh, they, FDIC was named receiver for the Affinity Bank of Ventura, Bradford Bank of Baltimore, and Main Street Bank of Minnesota. 
The story goes on. Uh, regulators have closed banks at the fastest pace in 17 years, and more are likely as losses mount from soured real estate debt. A total of 416 banks with combined assets of $299 billion failed the FDIC's grading system for asset quality, liquidity, and earnings in the second quarter. So look for more of this to come. And that's, that can't be easy for the folks that are, that are dealing with those, those banks as, as customers. And it's I don't know what that's like. Butt. I can't imagine, but... So there's more economic news out of uh, the Associated Press, where newsstand sales of magazines continue to fall. An industry group says single-copy sales have fallen 12% in the first half of this year, compared with the same period in 2008. Magazine sales? Yes, uh, newsstand magazine sales. Well, I'd, I'd, I would... I think that there's... Uh, that this isn't sort of the same phenomena that's going on with newspapers. It's not? I, I don't think so, no. Um, and being, you know, <laughs> making my living in the media industry, perhaps my opinion has slightly more weight than some, uh, you know, moron spouting off. Slightly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that what you're seeing here is people reallocating and, uh, you, know, uh, you know, diminishing the amount of disposable income that they have. You can see how a People magazine or an Us or or whatever it is that you might grab on the way past um, in the yeah. grocery aisle might be considered a luxury. Like you might be able to take a week or two off from finding out what uh, Brad and Angela are doing. But you don't think that same thing's happening to newspapers that people are looking at it and saying, "Well, I don't really need to spend that money so bad, so I'm going to just so. go online." I think perhaps uh, people with newspaper subscriptions might be doing such a thing, but. You know, newspapers are cheaper generally, and people don't, uh, you know, feel that it's as big of a deal. And I think that newspapers are becoming less relevant to people. I think magazines are a luxury item. That's what I guess the the difference is. Hmm. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Okay. But the figures, uh, total circulation, by the way, including subscriptions, edged down one percent. So that's not too significant. Total circulation of those titles uh, stands. At roughly 340 million, those those are the 521 magazines that gave circulation numbers. 36 million are sold at newsstands. Cosmopolitan is the most popular magazine in America, by the way. Did you know that? Well, it does give you, after all, the uh, 40 hot secrets to 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 make him uh, his hair catch on fire. How many times can they print that stuff? I mean, how many secrets Every could there be? Every single month. Have you, not, right? <laughs> have you not looked at Cosmopolitan? No, Every I haven't. Every single month. Oh, I, I had an ex-girlfriend who used to get it every month, and I'll, I swear to God, I'll read that article every sure time. I think it's I think it's very compelling literature. But they're but, down. You so know, magazines writing. According to their single, co- single copy circulation numbers, they're down 7.8%, 12.77% for People magazine. Radio stations are down, you know, 18, 15, 20%. So... It's just, just across the board. People well, are just radio not... stations aren't down um, from consumers. Radio stations are down from advertising dollars. Yeah, that's true. This is uh, people buying. But I'm saying magazine. media is just getting they're getting hit all all across the board. Is what it seems like. Well, I think that people are consuming. Um, I, I bet you radio is doing better right now. Actually, toll free numbers eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. We're doing well, but the big corporations not so much. Ad revenue. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up whatever you want. Hey, podcasters. FTL has a new advertiser with a somewhat unusual arrangement. They're paying us for people that fill out their online form for inspections for their basements. You won't believe how affordable a dry, usable basement can be, and FTL gets 50 bucks for everyone that fills out the online form at basement.freetalklive.com. 500 bucks off, a lifetime warranty, and a free water watch alarm. Just go to basement.freetalklive.com. Click on Free Inspection and Estimate in the upper right-hand corner. 
Fill out the online form. Earn FTL 50 bucks. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can bring up whatever you want. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That is the SACL-CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you all the features free, so enjoy those on us. Features including the archives, so if you've missed a moment of the show, click and download. They're right there on the front page of the website. Going back an entire year, totally free at freetalklive.com. If you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections, SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. Not And, and not just a uh, collections company. SACL CAI does all kinds of contact management. So if you have uh, clients that you need to... You know, get a phone message to on a large scale, or uh, you know, doing uh, sending them letters or things like that. SACL CAI can handle all of that stuff, and SACL is the number one sponsor of Free Talk Live because the principal over there, Jason Osborne, is a huge advocate for liberty. And if you want to find out more about how to better serve your customers, SACL CAI. The banners at FreeTalkLive.com, upper right hand corner of the page. All right, toll-free number again, 800-259-9231. Bring up whatever you want. I'm going to go into the email box here. And by, by the way, we've talked about the Free Talk Live AMP program on the show, as we do every single night. It's, it's one of the ways you can help us spread this program, get on more radio stations, and you can get on for as little as 3 bucks a month. But I got an email from a brand-new amplifier. His name's Rick, and I just wanted to share it because it, uh, it does get into an issue here. He says, I'm finally becoming an amplifier, and sorry it took so long. I'd like to tell you about my journey that pushed me into the AMP program tonight. I've been a liberty lover my whole life, but never quite understood how to voice my beliefs. I went through the whole political thing, left, right, everything, but never finding a place that felt right for me. I sadly got caught up in the hype and did some military time. God forgive me. Within the past year, I discovered Free Talk Live thanks to Podcast Alley. I was bored with the usual lineup of stuff that I was listening to and saw your show on the top of the list. I thought I'd give it a try. I'm sure you've heard this before, but I'll say it again. You guys were like a breath of fresh air. I couldn't believe someone felt the same way as me and even went on the radio talking about it. It is rare. You see, I grew up in Texas right next to Fort Hood. And let me tell you, my beliefs were more than just frowned upon. I was intimidated into not even mentioning them for most of my life. Now I live in Washington and it's not much better. Well, things are different now, much different. You, Mark, Julia, Sam, Nick, and all the amazing liberty activists finally put much of my beliefs into easy, persuasive conversations that in my mind couldn't be argued against. Stupid me again. Little (laughs) did I know that you can tell someone 2 plus 2 equals 4, but if mommy government says it's 5, then it's 5 to most sheeple in the United States. You find yourself scratching your head, wondering how anyone is force-fed this stuff and never chokes as it's going down. Anyway, the big turmoil for me now is I've been seeing someone for little over a year. We work together, and I've become very firm in my liberty beliefs. She doesn't agree with a lot of them. She can't get past the drug issue, and she's a believer in welfare, being that she was a young single mom, and they helped her along the way to where she is. And I think that's a big problem 
just to interrupt the email for a moment, I think that that's a, a big issue that we who love the idea of independence and freedom uh, and individual liberty that, that we really are going to run into is the people that have been on uh, some sort of welfare check program or are currently on welfare or currently on Social Security or some sort of government uh, check-receiving style program that they're going to – they're going to be a very difficult uh, set of people to bring over, uh, bring on board. Well, I think that um, I, th- I think that those people, to some extent, probably do see that they traded something in order to get that money, which mm-hmm. is fine. I don't have any. I don't begrudge those people getting that money. It seems like so many of the liberty types out there, or Republican types, or whatever. Not saying that those two are the same. I'm just saying that they seem to to, to both be against welfare on that issue. Um, begrudge those people that money and i think of all the things uh, you know the government programs that we get rid of we get rid of the welfare programs last i mean it's it's by no means the biggest pot out there not even close uh, mm-hmm. but you know so many of them will make such a huge deal about it from that point of view i think the problem with them is is in fact they destroy people's uh, ability to rise above getting that check and i think that some people that have been on those programs can see that i think you right would, that it would affect other people adversely just because it worked for them doesn't mean that it works for everyone or even close to everyone or that it's the most efficient or even close to the most efficient uh, program out there I don't like it because it gives the government access to you and your home and your children, which is a dangerous, dangerous mm-hmm. thing. And it, uh, it, for some people, it destroys their motivation to do better. And I think that, that is, uh, that's, that's bad for society as a whole. We continue here. Uh, he says, it's puzzling because she's the most fiscally responsible person I know. She has a great job and has the best credit I've ever seen in my life. She's made it. She's made it quite a ways based on her own hard work and values, and I find it amazing that she doesn't see how it would have been so much easier without mommy government stealing so much of her money along the way. And that's a great perspective that, uh, you know, if you had been able to control your own finances and put your own money away for savings, you might be better off today as far as the people that have collected welfare checks. If you just put your own money in a money market account or something like that and just sat on it or a CD, uh, something simple that doesn't require a lot of investment know-how, you you'd probably would be doing much better. Well, not only would you have the money that the government was swiping from you in the first place and perhaps wouldn't have got into that, that uh, circumstance, it doesn't seem that likely. Likely, mostly people that are that slide into those circumstances weren't making that much money in the first place. But it could be, it could be. So um, that that given that, that's that's fine and everything. But the fact is, there are going to be programs out there that, um, if in the absence of welfare, there will be more programs because they're already out there. There will be more programs to help people who are genuinely in need. And this is really where the yeah. rubber hits the road on this issue, is people who are genuinely in need will get the help. It's the people who aren't genuinely in need that won't get it because there will be better checks and balances. The government doesn't have the motivation to or check the ability, out. really, to, to, to right. check these things. But I had a uh, renter who went to her local church. I don't know if it was her church or just one around the corner because it did happen to be around the corner and asked for help making her rent a couple of times. Her husband left and and blah, blah, blah. And Mm -hmm. they cut her a check and called me. They called me and did some checking and cut her a check for her rent for two months. Wow. Um, Now, 
is did she get a check for four years? No, no. she didn't. What would the government do? Once she got on, she'd get that check forever, and then and then it's a crutch, you know? Absolutely. And and uh, you know she's not going to be able to learn to stand on her own two feet. Maybe she would, maybe she wouldn't. Some do, some don't. But it's going to make it that much more difficult. You're right. The accountability would be there without the government running these welfare programs, yep. and it would be a big difference. Plus, um, plus, not only would uh, would they be accountable, would the recipients be accountable to the people that were giving them the money, and they would send out caseworkers, and they would uh, sit down with folks and help them and, and get them into better situations. And I'm not saying that doesn't happen in some government welfare programs. I'm sure to an extent that it does, but the it will, it's not as accountable. And you wouldn't be paying as much for the overhead because the government's uh, welfare program overhead is tremendous. Yes, it is. There's a lot of middle-class bureaucrats there involved in that welfare system. As compared to a Salvation Army or something like that. Or the churches or those kind of things. Absolutely true. And try to imagine what it would do for your motivation in life if every month – you got a check for, say, $1,500 or $2,000. I don't know what people can live on, but let's say 1500 to $2,000. You got that check, but you had to go to the government bureaucrat every time and say, thank you, I couldn't do this without the government. I mean, think what it would do to you. It would be terrible. It would be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it would cause your will to wither and die over time. And essentially, that's what's happening to so many welfare uh, recipients. I want people that need help to get help, and I believe that the single best way for them to get it is through the free market. Absolutely. I mean, all the evidence shows that. The toll-free number here is 800-259-9231. You can tell your story. Perhaps you have an experience with either being on yourself on the welfare system or knowing somebody who was perhaps taking advantage Whatever you want to share with us, uh, toll-free number is 800-259-9231. Or maybe you've got a great story like Mark's uh, tenant story of somebody who was really helped out outside of the government welfare system by some sort of private charity or private organization. Toll-free is 800-259-9231. Rick's got a little bit more to his email. We'll take your calls about anything coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want if you dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. We'll get right back into your calls here shortly. In the midst of an email at the moment uh, talking about welfare and some frustrations that uh, Rick, our emailer, has had in dealing with the you know the kind of common run-of-the-mill statist uh, that uh, you have out there. He calls them sheeple. Uh, in his email. Our number is 800-259-9231, and you can join us online at freetalklive.com, where we've got some incredible deals uh, available for you on uh, gold and silver. They're pretty darn good deals, and we've gotten together with uh, Midas Resources to essentially get a, a, a discount for our uh, listeners to who for gold and silver, because we believe that uh, one needs to have gold and silver. I'm especially big fan of silver these days. I, I just think that it's going it, to... It, it seems like it's poised to really to really shoot up. Uh, that's my opinion, and I'm I'm no financial expert, but I do have plenty of silver. Hey, and the financial experts don't know what's going to happen. No, either. they don't either. I, so I suppose my opinion's as good as any. Um, we've got uh, two uh, silver pieces and two gold pieces that are available at gold or silver doesn't really matter. Dot freetalklive.com. So gold freetalklive.com. We have the Lakota Nation. Silver Round um, from the Free Lakota Bank, which is a nice way to give the old Federal Reserve a big old middle finger. And that's for $19.70 and the Walking Liberty 
half. You can also, um, for half dollar, for uh, $8.70. You can also put sort of lay them away so that you can get say twenty of them uh, lined up and then have them shipped to you. It it cuts down on the shipping costs and of smart course, idea. Right, the the amount that you spend to get it to you should be included in what you paid for it. Uh, you know when you're doing your little math as in, as far as investment goes, and and uh, that'll lock in the price that you that you know this nineteen dollars and seventy cents that they're offering them at. It'll lock that price in for the period of time that you're paying them off. So if you say that I want twenty of these uh, free uh, Lakota Bank rounds, one-ounce pieces, you can get about $19.70, and you can pay off the 20 of them over time and then have them all shipped to you at once. Gold.freetalklive.com. We go. Actually, I'm going to go to the phone calls because Rick changed into a different subject here in his email. We'll, we'll get to that in a moment. Let's go to Ilya in New York first. You're on Free Talk Live. Ilya. Hello, uh, Ilya. Hi, guys. Uh, hey there. It's hi, guys. How are you? Uh, listen, uh, I advertised uh, on your radio show before, but that's besides the point. Uh, what I've actually been seeing online on a lot of forums has been uh, seeing that eBay has turned into a really big monopoly ever since it allowed you to only accept PayPal-only payments. i got to yeah. tell you the horror stories with PayPal. This one guy with a baby wasn't able to re- uh, withdraw his funds because they were holding it. But I actually found... Oh, I think we're having some uh, some phone issues there. We'll put put Ilya back on hold. Maybe we can get him into, into a different cell. But basically, saying that he's concerned about the direction eBay has gone. It's become With the PayPal thing. Well, they they bought PayPal a long time ago, mm-hmm. and now and now he's saying they've made it so you can only pay with PayPal. That's pretty much true. Um, it's convenient for me. Uh, lucky me, I haven't had these problems that so many other people have had with PayPal. Thank, some people really hate PayPal. Thank goodness. Um, but, you know, PayPal does need some competition. eBay, probably, there are other auction sites out there. I, I don't think they have a monopoly. Um, I think that, I guess Amazon is not an auction site. You don't, I don't think that you can auction through Amazon, but you can no, but sell things prices used. are very competitive on, um, or, or even cheaper on Amazon than you can get them on eBay. Especially on books and things like that. Yeah, you can yeah. sell items used uh, through Amazon, and, and you can basically you know, set your price. And I've seen some pretty cool stuff on Overstock.com, too. There's some, big, there's some big sites out there that have some good stuff. But no, we're talking about auctions specifically. Yeah, I, the auctions, the only thing, other thing I know besides eBay is that gun brokers one. Yeah, who's the, who's the big, compa- is, who's eBay? eBay's nearest competitor, and wh- what percentage of the market share do they have? I, I'd be curious. Be much. To, be curious to find that out. Let's try Ilya back again here. Ilya, are you with us? Yes. Hello. So not much I better, but go ahead briefly. I I actually found a solution. I'm not going to use PayPal anymore, and I created a a store where pretty much you could offer uh, money for items that are up. It's free to list there. You could transfer your eBay feedback onto the site, and you could accept any form of payment you wish. Uh, oh, that's so cool. that's the beauty of it. It's, uh, no well, you have to buy some more advertising with us and, uh, <laughs> and promote that. Yeah, definitely. I'm actually about to. If you don't mind, I would like to give my uh, store address. Only once. Go ahead. Okay. Trusted coins. Can't even make it out, dude. Your phone sucks right now. It's trusted coins what? Trustedcoins.ioffer.com. Are, are you on a cell phone or a VoIP line? Uh, I'm going to avoid. Okay. I don't know if you've got an upload going on in the background or something, but it's it's not very good. Thank you for the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you, and good luck with your website. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You know, as uh, as a company gets more 
bureaucratic in its ways of doing business, more monopolistic uh, in its ways of doing business. It's, it's just, just not going to service its customer as well. I mean, period. It, right. It's just opening up an opportunity for somebody else to step in. Maybe it'll be Ilya. Maybe it'll be somebody else. Uh, but for somebody else to step in and uh, and take over. Toll free, not not take over, but uh, take some market share away from those folks. Give them some much needed competition. Google does have a payment system. They uh, they've got Google. I, th- I think it's called Google Google Payments, and it it allows a similar level of privacy, kind of like that's what PayPal is valuable for for people. Because when you're shopping online, you some people are very nervous about putting a credit card number into yeah. a, a form on some some website that's selling a product that doesn't really have the name recognition of an Overstock.com or an Amazon or something like that, and so they're nervous about that. But if they see the PayPal logo, they know that their credit card info is going to be protected. And that's one of the things that PayPal does really well. Uh, so Google has entered into that game. And I think I think even Amazon, I have an email that uh, one of my tech guys sent me. I haven't really honestly taken the time as I should have to look into it. But it sounds to me like Amazon is getting in and compa- uh, competing with PayPal. So if that's true, uh, I know that they're offering some sort of subscription service to where if we wanted to, we could start offering Free Talk Live AMP program with an Amazon payments service as opposed to PayPal. So it's one of those things that's on my list of to-dos. It's just not very high up uh, at this point in time. But I I understand the concerns, and thank you uh, for the call, Ilya. Let's continue here and talk to Corby in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Corby. Hey, guys. First off, it was uh, Google Checkout is what it's called. Ah, Google Checkout. Very good. Yeah, it's pretty pretty cool. You can actually send somebody an email, like an invoice and an email, and they just go to the Google's website and pay the invoice. I used to use it for my – it was free for all of 2008. Now they charge, I think, you know, 2% or something, but about the mm-hmm. same as a credit card, but really easy to use. So anyway, but, uh, that ain't why I called. The, uh, did you hear about the guy comes home in Brunswick, Georgia? Seven people are dead in his mobile home. And, oh, dear you know, God. What, you know, what does he do? He calls the police. You know, it's kind of the natural thing oh, to no, do. Oh, no. You know, the police come to the house, and of course, he's suspicious. They, they, the police say he acted suspiciously, and they arrest him for possession of marijuana. They don't uh-huh. suspect the murders, but imagine seven people, one or two were his family members. I don't know all the details, but imagine you come home, seven people of your friends and family are dead, and not only, you know, you're cooperating, you call them, uh-huh. and you get arrested for possession of a plant when, you know, imagine grieving in jail, you know, for. Everybody, you know, I don't know how close he was, but I can imagine your family and, you know, four or five at least acquaintances probably if you lived there and they're all dead. And I had a friend with a similar experience. You know, he had a heart attack and my friend's roommate calls the police and the ambulance comes. And the ambulance guy, you know, the guy doesn't hide his stash. He just, you know, his friend's having a heart attack. So he calls the, you know, ambulance and they find some, you know, marijuana and he goes to jail also. So just, you know, your family members die and you go to jail. So that's how it is, right? I mean, these people are protecting and serving. Oh, oh that's just, they, kept, they kept that guy from being high the night he was grieving. You know, he had to make sure he wasn't smoking, you know, make sure he was completely sober while all seven of us, and in jail, while, you know, Outrageous. seven people are dead. Instead of, instead of finding the right. killer, you know, they're looking right. for this guy. So There's no compassion there at all. Spending all their time locking this guy up when, uh, you know, the, the trail is getting colder yeah. by the second as, right. for what's Resources going on. Zero, zero compassion whatsoever. Well, I suspect what they wanted, in fact, in this circumstance is they, they, you know, they, they suspect this guy. He's the closest one to the yeah. murder scene. Right. Um, they figure, well, we'll get something over him uh, real quick. And But, uh, you know, when your family's dead, you need to spend time uh, with the funeral home and all these other things. They 
They don't yeah. care about that. Mm. Don't care. Right. Just have to work it out when he gets out of jail, whenever the hell that's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, you might want to Google that, but it happened in Brunswick, uh, Georgia. So anyway. Thanks for the heads up on that, Corby. Crazy. Sorry to hear that story. And it's just a, another one for the long, long list of stories where people call the police expecting they're going to come help out a situation that this is what they're supposed to do. There's well, a problem. You not call only, the police. Not only are you supposed to do that in the circumstances, I mean, try to imagine what would happen if you, if you didn't. didn't. Right. You have to call the police in this circumstance. So make a, make a note. Uh, next time you come across the bodies of your family and uh, family and friends in your trailer, to hide your, your home, stash really, really well. Yeah, to to you know to have the presence of mind to think about uh, anything else besides the fact that your loved ones are dead. I mean, really, that's what he would have had to have done, right? He probably had a little bit of weed on him because he carries it around with him on a regular basis. He's or a, was in his bedroom. Mar- I mean, Mar- are you going to not let a police officer search marijuana? I mean, consumers. there's seven dead people, and uh, he, you know. I'm sure that was the last thing on his mind was the fact that he had a joint in his pocket. Toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. But, hey, the law's the law, you know. It's what they do. Put people in cages. They don't care about you. You're just a revenue source. Hour two's coming up. Free talk. Attention. All active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet! And get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. VARadio.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. Bring up whatever you want. Toll free. 800 259 9231. And we do mean virtually anything. 800 259 9231 tonight. It's Ian with you. And Mark. And we invite you to our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those. And uh, those other talk show hosts want to charge you for their site. So see what a free, great, free talk show web, uh, website should be like at freetalklive.com. Let's go back to your phone calls and talk to Tom in New Hampshire. Tom, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello there. Uh, yeah, about that caller who just talked about the mobile home with the dead bodies in it. I think I just heard on the news on your uh, station while I was waiting on the line, I heard the news about uh, that guy died, too. Uh, that guy who came home and found them all. So that's one. How did he die? I don't know. I didn't hear that part of it, but uh, that's uh, one more part of the story. I think that's probably the same story hmm. that uh, the one that I just heard on the news. But anyway, uh, Saturday, the New Hampshire Advantage Coalition, a mostly Republican group, they held their pork roast, their annual pork roast, and I went there. And uh, former Attorney General Kelly Ayotte. Uh, running for U.S. Senator now, uh, she went up there and she made a big speech. And after she finished her speech, she got back down. And uh, I walked up to her and asked her, I've got a question for you. <clears throat> Are you one of those Republicans, who, like Congressman Ron Paul, 
who want to call off the war on drugs now? Or are you one of those Republicans who still want to wait until more cops get themselves killed in action first? Okay, now, keep in mind, the Attorney General and, like, the war on drugs is, like, everything she believes in and everything she stands for and everything she cherishes and holds dear. The Attorney General is the head thug, the head cop. And so... Uh, anyway, then I introduced myself and said that, by the way, it'll be uh, an interesting uh, primary because I'm going to be running against you, the U.S. <laughs> Senator. So, uh, yeah, that, that was fun. you got to do that stuff. And one What did she say? Wait, wait, did she answer your question? Did she, yeah, what, what did she uh, have she to say said, for herself? She said that she disagrees with me, but she didn't say, uh, you know, like what <laughs> my position was. She just, uh, I guess maybe she recognized me and then... Uh, Said that she she has to say that she disagrees with me, but anyway, the the final point I wanted to make is that when you have all these people on welfare, one of the things they don't realize is that they don't need government help to uh, thrive and to be economically prosperous. They think they do because zoning restrictions drive up the rent to the point where they can't afford a place to live, and if they want to rent an apartment. Then the landlord, of course, to build the apartment had to add a parking lot. Why do you need a parking lot for if you don't have a car, for example? If you're taking the bus everywhere or you're walking down the street to work, you don't need a car. But you still have to pay all these added expenses, the zoning tax and that sort of thing. And they would be able to pay their own rent if it weren't for these restrictions. And now they think they depend on liberals for handouts. You know, when actually it's those, those government bureaucrats who are driving up the cost of Absolutely. the government. And if they, if they don't it weren't for these they... absurd, obscene property taxes I have to pay, I could lower the rents on my tenants. And I can tell you, they have a tough time paying the rent. Now, they may be in a house that's a little too large for their income at this point, but uh, that's their was their choice. And if I didn't have to uh, pay those taxes, I could pass the savings on because that would, that would end up happening. I know I would do it because I feel like it's the right thing to do. Well, it's not that... You the right thing to do or anything like that. That doesn't have anything to do with it. The fact is the marketplace will dictate that, in fact, you have to do it well, because, because somebody I will, will make do it that and choice. they'll be in, 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 in competition with you and right. their price will be lower, so you'll have to lower your price. But you, that's not why I would I would not wait for someone to do that. Fine. I would lower my price immediately because I believe it's the right thing to do. Then that's my be, motivation. Then you would be the person that, that motivated the trend. everything else. Exactly. Oh, right. The whole marketplace would be have its uh, have the it would be set by that. Exactly. There are some people like that who are, you know, want to do the right thing, like like you were just saying, and that does dictate a little bit of it. Some of it is competition, but some of it is like if they don't want uh, pregnant women to get sick from the toxic fumes, so they do the right thing and they put a ventilation hood over it. You know, and some of them wait until the government tells them to, or some of them uh, do it because uh, competition makes them do it. Yep. Thanks, Tom, for the call tonight. Good luck uh, against the attorney, former attorney general of New Hampshire, in your little uh, quest there. Thank you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Back to Rick's email. He had uh, emailed in here saying that he appreciates Free Talk Live and uh, has been frustrated recently because he's got a lady friend at work that I guess he's getting kind of close to, uh, and she just doesn't get it, the whole liberty idea. She can't get past the drug issue. Big believer in welfare, even though he's tried to explain these things to her and how uh, that uh, you know the war on drugs is just hurting the people that it was supposed to help and that uh, the the welfare programs could be much better administrated if they were run in the private market voluntarily by charities and that sort of thing. But he continues his email. He says, last week, one of the guys at work asked me a dumb question. He wanted to know whether I was conservative or liberal. Now, I warned him several times not to ask me that because he wouldn't like my answer. 
but he pressed on, and finally I let him know I was neither, and that they were all the same to me. He didn't take long to become enraged about the soldiers and the Civil War and all those people dying for my freedom. Well, I tried to keep it calm and let it fizzle away, but it got a little attention in the office. No real issue. I hope some people listening saw my side of it. Later, my girlfriend told me I embarrassed her. I won't go into my response, but wow, it got worse tonight. We were talking about it, and she said maybe I shouldn't say things that I know will offend people, like that the soldiers were dying for the government and not for the people. He says he lost it, but just uh, before I go on with the email here, uh, this is a kind of an, a, a typical attitude, right? You know, don't talk about politics, don't talk about religion, because someone might get offended. But these ideas, the ideas of freedom, are so important and so well, critical. And if you believe in it, it's so difficult not to, stay silent. to talk about it. it yeah. I, I, you know, I mean, I, I know what it's like. I've had to deal with it in certain circumstances. And, you know, I, when I was working as a salesman in a, uh, you know, for a lifestyle magazine in Sarasota, Florida, mm-hmm. it's not appropriate to talk to your clients about politics. You, sure. can, you can talk to them a little bit, you know, sprinkle it a little bit here or there if they want to talk about that particular this issue, this issue or that issue. You've got to be very diplomatic and all that other stuff. But, you know, sometimes these things are going to pop out if you believe these kind of, uh, you know, if you believe in liberty, you're going to have these issues. I remember we were at a, um, I think it was a, it was some kind of JC's meeting. No, it was a Chamber of Commerce meeting um, with my two bosses, the only two people in the organization that were above me. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, before we did the Pledge of Allegiance or after we did the yeah. Pledge of Allegiance or whatever, and, you know, I just kind of stood there and I think I put my hand over my heart but didn't say anything or whatever yeah. um, I did, the woman said, who knows? Does anybody in the class here know who yeah. wrote the Pledge of Allegiance? It's and like I, an opening. You can't resist something right, like and that. So here I am. Bing. That would and, be the Christian socialist Francis Bellamy. Right. So then I and, she, and I said, well, I, I stalled. I said, it's Francis Bellamy because I, I think it's Francis Scott Key or something like that that wrote the um, Star Spangled Banner. Does right. That, that sound right to I you? I think so. So the name's similar. Whatever. I don't even I don't even know for sure who wrote the Star Spangled Banner, but I did say Francis Bellamy, and um, she's like, yeah, "You're you're right." And I said, <laughs> "Not only that, but Francis Bellamy was a uh, was a, a flag salesman and a national socialist." The precursor to the Nazis. And the original to salute to the flag was, and I stretched my uh, arm out and showed them to, and how similar it was. The um, Roman salute. Right, the Roman salute. How similar it was to the Nazi salute, which was with the hand out and the whole thing. And, well, my bosses didn't like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I just gave these people, she opened she the door. She asked for it. Exactly. She wanted to know what the history lesson was. I told everybody, look. I'm sorry hey. to say that the pledge you just made is a Nazi salute right. to the flag. Well, it's like this guy said. I mean, Rick says in his, in his email is that he gave this guy a warning. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. You, you probably don't want to ask me that. Well, yeah, I do. I want to know. Liberal conservative. Okay. If you insist. So it's not like he was just uh, blurting out because he had the opportunity. He actually tried to pad the answer by saying, well, you might not like me after I'm done saying this to you. And I think that's an, a, that's a fair approach uh, to take. But I don't agree with his girlfriend saying that he should keep his mouth shut. He's in a, a workplace environment. People talk about things there. He's not necessarily she above or below. She... she works with him, yeah. Okay. she works. That's how they met and, and started okay. uh, their relationship. But this is something that happens where the, you know, the other slaves will try to keep the, uh, those of us who know better uh, down by, so, through social ostracism. Like, oh, well, I'm not going to be your girlfriend anymore if you don't, if you don't uh, shape up. Stop offending people. Well, of course, 
It's your choice to be offended. He just stated what he believed the truth was, and that guy chose to get upset about it. Yeah. Well, you know, there's 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 appropriate and inappropriate behavior at work. I mean, no one can doubt that. Yeah. But I, he I asked. Feel, he it, asked the question. I, I feel like that's what happened. Yeah, More on like the way he here. Uh, Rick's got a little more to say, and your calls about anything. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can bring up whatever you want. Toll free at 800-259-9231. Coming up, schools perhaps going to be banning touching. Coming up here this school year. We'll, it uh, had to happen, right? To that, yeah. <laughs> And uh, they'll soon soon (laughs) ban talking amongst the the, the minions. The toll-free number here again, 800-259-9231. We'll uh, touch on that when we get a chance. Take your calls about anything that is the point of this program. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, and those features include the Shrine of Female Listeners, the dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com and see that for yourself. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. And if you're just not getting enough audio entertainment, you can go to audiblepodcast.com, and they have... Well, you can get a, go get a free audio book. Uh, these are unabridged books. They are hours and hours long, so you'll have plenty of uh, of entertainment. And you can get a free one by going to audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. That's audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. Uh, you can see the whole list of them right there. It includes uh, Terry Goodkind's new book and uh, Ayn Rand's, uh, several of Ayn Rand's books. So audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. We continue with an email from... Rick here talking about some conversations he was having with some of his co-workers. They, uh, he's found the, the message of freedom, really likes it, but when he was asked by one of his co-workers, uh, are you liberal or conservative? He said, whoa, buddy, you probably don't want me to answer this question. No, no, I really want you to answer it. And so he did. And, uh, of course, he, the guy ended up getting offended by his comments about how the soldiers are dying for the government and not actually dying for freedom, which is going to upset people. I mean, people have been indoctrinated with this belief that uh, the military is just a super-duper organization that's out there keeping uh, things safe. Sure, and, uh, we're t- taught that they're around the world killing people to keep us free. What else would they be doing going around the world killing people? Surely they couldn't be the employ uh, of, you know, it, it wouldn't be an organization that is that I'm forced to fund as a citizen that is, in fact, in the employ of uh, the, the corporate uh, interests of... Uh, the industrialists, yeah. Right, the, 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 the Washington lobbyist elite, you know, the people that hire the lobbyists in order to get what they want out of the, the politicians, the ones that do the, the give the can, campaign contributions. That couldn't possibly be the case. Those soldiers must be fighting for liberty, right? So he goes on with his uh, story here saying his girlfriend works in the office and she told him that maybe he shouldn't say things that he knows will offend people like that the government, you know, the soldiers were dying for the government, not the people. He says, I lost it. I told her I'm offended and that I was lied to. And I believe that crap, too, at one time that yeah, he also thought too. that way. I went to the other side of the world. Remember, he actually was in the military, this guy. Uh, he, he says, I went to the other side of the world believing I was defending people in freedom. I believe that those inferior brown people should die so we could keep our color television and Maxim magazines. And I'm pissed as hell that I was lied to. And I don't I was, see that we would, by the way, lose our color televisions or Maxim magazines if we left those people well enough alone. Oh, no. I, 
obviously not. Um, but that's what the the pitch is. The pitch is if those folks weren't left alone, or if those folks, uh, you know, if the war doesn't happen, then they're going to come over here and they're going to bring their uh, Sharia law or whatever and enforce it on everybody. Right, and which of course they don't say. If you read one thing that these terrorist types, uh, um, you know, claim, no, they've always just said, "Leave us alone, please." Right. Leave that's us all alone. they want to do. That's all they want. He says, I'm pissed as hell I was lied to and that I was foolish enough to get caught up in the propaganda and lost a portion of my life doing things I'll never be able to get past. Damn it, I'm offended, and screw those people that get offended by what I say. I just want people to know if you have a belief, then voice it whenever and however you want, as long as you're not hurting people. Well, all I've got to say in this circumstance is uh, I, it seems likely to me that this, it sounds like a conservative gentleman who was talking about the people who, the, the, those those brave young military men How who caught those big hard bullets with their soft, squishy bodies for your freedom. You're, you, by God, you're spitting on their grave. This guy has the right to do it. He was standing out there putting his soft, squishy body on the line yeah. in order to catch those bullets for those Washington lobbyists. And this guy who was talking all the smack probably didn't. So I yeah. just don't... I, <laughs> I mean, please. I've, the only thing I've got to say here is who has a right to talk in this circumstance? Well, everyone has a right to talk, but he's in, impeachable. Right. Well, he's talking about... But the, the guy is claiming that uh, you know that, that these people are, are doing such wonderful things. He was one of these people. I'll tell you what, before you chat me for how I feel about it. Why don't you get on your hands and knees and kiss my big toe for saving your butt then, if you think that's what I did? I learned much too late, says Rick, that hurting people is wrong, and I won't hush up for anyone. I'm an ex-soldier, and I say proudly that war is a racket, and it's wrong on so many levels. Any of those boneheads calling in about their military service and how great war is are either really sick or can't get past the realization that they made a mistake. And that's really, uh, I think, what a lot of it is, don't you? I mean, that uh, that they don't want to admit that they were wrong. People don't want to admit these things. I mean, it's a real pride issue. I, you know, I'm not of the, I, I don't want to, whenever anybody calls in and says something like, well, I spent uh, 20 years in the military or five years in the military, whatever amount of time they spent in the military, I don't think it's the appropriate time to necessarily jump down their throat at that moment. However, yeah. um, I, you know, I think that something that w- a way that we here on the show can uh, sort of cut the difference is, um, well, how long you been out of the military? And well, six years since then. Well, thank you for those six years of, of working in, in the free market, <laughs> uh, actually doing something for liberty. Because Rick, it's the people who go to work every day who are actually doing something for liberty. And I'm sorry. For society, sure. The vast majority of government bureaucrats, military included, are sponging off of the rest of us. It hurts, says Rick. I promise you it hurt me a lot to realize what a lie I had fallen into. You can make it through. Forgive yourself first, and the rest comes on its own. You might as well. Yeah, when you've made well. a mistake, you might as well forgive yourself, because if you're going to be angry, you're only hurting yourself. With your anger. And, and I don't think that, uh, you know, a certain, you know, uh, I, I don't think that there's a lot of finger pointing. I, I, I don't think that people should say, you're bad because you're in the military. I don't think that that's the reason. There's so many people uh, who have jobs in the in the government sector. It's, it's, there's no good reason to, like, hold them accountable for all the ills of the government. They're that just trying to get a paycheck. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the vast majority of them are. He's not doing Many that Many people here. who went in the military are just, you know, they, they came from, uh, you know, poor families and they want to get uh, some discipline and some college or whatever it is that they went for. Most of them didn't go in there in order to go around the world and kill people. That's just what they're being forced to do or thrown into a brig.
He says, so now I'm an amplifier and looking forward to the day I have everything settled and I can move to New Hampshire. I'm a Free State Project participant, and after this, I may be moving there alone. That is after the discussion with the the girlfriend. So be it. I will no longer compromise my values for anyone. Thank you for vocalizing my beliefs and helping me expand my liberty from Rick. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. Uh, Maybe the the relationship was worth something, and now you've come to the point where you realize that uh, there's other things that are more important to you. And I can tell you, that at least here in Keene, New Hampshire, the majority of people here are women. So lots of options out there. Certainly that's true. I mean, I I, I, I wouldn't throw a relationship away based solely on this, but you know whether or not it's working. Absolutely. If, if, I don't want to get in, I don't want to be in a relationship where I'm having arguments with, uh, with I, my I loved could, one. I couldn't be. I could not be having those kind of arguments. And I can't just shut up about what I believe is right and just. Especially and, if you're somebody who made a move for more freedom. I mean, if you joined the Free State Project and picked up your life, uh, you're certainly not somebody who's likely to shut up. You're a doer. You're somebody who is moving forward and ready to join a movement that is actually going to work towards changing this world, or at least our little corner of it, to be a, a much more peaceful society. More on the way. You can take control. Don't let anybody hold you back from that if that's what's important to you. You bring up anything, 800-259-9231. Free Talk Live. Across the sands of time, from the lands of Abraham to the lands of Julius Caesar, the metals of the earth were forged into the coin of the realm. Now you can own a piece of history with affordable ancient coins from the Greek, Biblical, Roman, and Byzantine eras. Guaranteed authentic by Janus Numismatics. Transport yourself to the distant past at ZeusCoin.com. That's ZeusCoin.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want. Just dial the toll-free number, 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of features, and we give them to you, so enjoy those on us. And they include the bulletin board system with over 490,000 posts, lots to talk about, serious issues, fun stuff. You'll find it all free at bbs.freetalklive.com. And another way you can get interactive with our listeners is through the chat room at chat.freetalklive.com. We continue. Uh, Take your calls about anything and otherwise uh, go to things interesting to us to the email box. I want to get another one in here from Matt. Um, Actually, no, I don't want to go to that one. Uh, We're going to go to, uh, to a different one here. This one is from Andrew. He says, two questions for your radio program. Number one, how would a private court enforce its rulings against a sovereign individual? And two, what if a defendant or party didn't want to participate in the court process? Would a private court require both parties be willing participants, that is, defendant and plaintiff? Uh, it's, it's good questions. I, I, I know, Mark, that you are somebody who uh, just advocates getting back to a small government with courts and, and cops and all that. But on this show, I advocate marketizing the justice system. I advocate bringing competition in and uh, making it so that things get better because you can propose some reforms that will improve the government system. But I don't think you'll really have something that's satisfactory until you can actually open it up to the marketplace and remove the monopolistic factor. But, of course, then that brings in legitimate questions like Andrew's about, well, if there are different places you can go and get arbitration services, how are you going to guarantee that anybody's going to show up? I mean, if you want to take somebody to arbitration, why would they want to go? If they, I mean, hey, I don't want to go to arbitration with you. 
So his question is, how would the uh, private, first question, how would the private court enforce its rulings against a sovereign individual? Well, the presumption would be that those individuals that were going to arbitration would have agreed in advance to whatever the enforcement terms are. So if you've agreed to the arbitration, then you've agreed to the terms. You have said... Oh, I'm sorry, Mark. You were up doing some stuff. Sorry, Go one, ahead. one would assume that uh, you would, uh, you, if you enter into the arbitration, that you have the expectation of having a chance to win, because you believe that uh, you you've know, got a case. You've got a case. Likely, you wouldn't agree to the, um, you know, we only side with big business arbitration right. uh, <laughs> service, um, and likely they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't uh, agree to the stick it to the man arbitration service. Right. And so you get the, you know, you both of you end up going with Middle Grounds Incorporated arbitrations service. It seems like, I mean, if you were looking at that, and so right. both of you would have the expectation that you would have the chance chance to win um, that is assuming that either of you didn't feel that you were in the wrong which is currently how the legal system seems to be used people who are in the wrong hire a bunch of attorneys in order to throw so much paperwork at the person who is wronged who likely has less money in some cases has less money and um, you know just destroy them through you know lawyers fees and things like that because the system really isn't accessible currently today for people so I, I do see some of the problems with the the current legal system I think that in a small government situation we would have uh, we we could handle that but you know I could be wrong I say competition good leads competition to innovation good. I will leads to better service leads to lower prices uh, and so we get to his next question here. So again, number one, uh, how would a private court enforce its rulings? You would have agreed to it in advance. And if you broke your agreement, then you'd be in violation of that agreement. And that would uh, really harm you as far as your reputation was concerned. Because I think what you're going to find is that reputation would be pretty important. Now, I can't predict for sure how the uh, the marketplace would do things in the absence of the government world. But we know that credit ratings uh, exist today. And uh, some might uh, agree that they're not the best, it's not the best system in the world, but it, they exist, and to some extent, they do catalog how reliable people are at, at making payments and that sort of thing. And so we certainly exist in a world now where the information can easily be transferred and these things can pretty pretty simply be tracked as far as your reputation is concerned. So if you agree to the private court's terms saying, okay, well, whatever you decide, Mr. Arbitrator, I will agree to, and, uh, and then you then decide to renege on your agreement, you're in violation of that particular agreement. You'll be held to that, whatever the terms of being held to it are. I mean, it could be that you, you end up in a jail cell. It could be that you're, you're taken to a, a labor camp or something like that. I don't know what would be come up with to, uh, to ensure that people stuck to their agreements, but all of those things are possible. Those things are a possibility, or that you might just have to uh, have some money extracted from you uh, at, from all your paychecks to, to make good on your, your screw-up. Plus, your reputation would be dinged. So his second question, what if a defendant didn't want to participate? What if, you know, I accused you of doing something, Mark, and you actually did it, and you know you did it, and you know that I've got a videotaped evidence that shows that you did it? Yeah. Uh, you, oh, I don't want to go to that arbitrator. I, I mean, I know I did this. I'm not going to the arbitrator. Of course, you're not going to admit that you did it, but you don't want to show up. You're afraid. I mean, why would you even defend yourself in that case? Well, 
what would in, what would be the encouraging factor to get you to the arbitrator would be I think that your reputation would uh, would be hit big time if you don't show up uh, to the arbitrator or if you don't immediately say oh crap you're right I did do this let me make amends because well, that would be a way to get there out there are of going instances to where this happens today and that is if you look at uh, say credit card services and things like that if you owe money to a credit card service I'm not saying that people don't have problems with their credit cards I know they do but they report that to the credit uh, reporting agencies and they you know your your rating is dinged and good luck getting a home loan right there and then you know home loans car loans and all those other things make it more difficult so you have things like this. I don't know how that would work in the case of, uh, you know, like real crime where people hurt people. And I, I think that perhaps there is a, uh, a need for a forceful end of government for that particular purpose. But I'd like to see some people try out some 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 things that didn't require coercion. It'd be interesting. Well, and, and we've talked about before when we're looking at the issue of the real crime that you're talking about where somebody has actually been been damaged in in some way or or property has been damaged you know there there could be something to be said for having a bounty hunter come in and and take somebody who is very dangerous off the streets and take them into some sort of secure area where the bounty hunter uh, and the insurance company or the protection company that would be backing his actions would be taking a pretty significant risk in that they'd have to make sure that what they were doing was the right thing. They'd have to ensure that they have the actual criminal, that they've successfully identified that so-and-so did whatever horrific act they've been accused of doing. And then if they snatch him up off the streets and he protests saying, hey, this is kidnapping. I'm an innocent man. Okay, well... We'll have that out in the arbitration, and if it turns out that you are innocent, then the company that, that uh, stole your freedom and kidnapped you, because that's what it would be in that case. If you were innocent, it would be a kidnapping. Uh, if the company that stole your freedom and kidnapped you is, is found to have gotten the wrong guy, their career is probably over. I mean, their business is over. They'd have to pay out. They'd have an ins- their insurance policy for that sort of thing uh, would, would immediately pay out to the person that they wrongfully arrested. The insurer would drop, their, would drop that company from their insurance policy, and they'd have a very difficult time getting insured to do uh, their business from, uh, from that point on. So I think that you'd see the marketplace come up with ways to handle those violent criminals and, and get them off the streets beyond just the kind of stock answer of, well, people could shoot the violent criminals because they have, uh, you know, re- relinquished their rights. And it's, so if they tried to do something else violent, they'd be stopped. Well, I um, think that also I, um, you need to you I need think to bounty figure, hunters would come in, figure into this scenario that, uh, well, you know, people would be to some extent feel more responsible for their own protection. Currently, it's very darn difficult to protect yourself in some of the major metros in the United States, some of the states in the United States. You can't protect yourself because you can't even own a gun. Um, Many states just basically don't let you have one or let you uh, get a concealed carry or whatever. They make it difficult to protect yourself, whereas... In a world, you know, in a world like you're talking about, it would be very easy to protect yourself because you could have a gun, and guns really are the great equalizer. A seven-year-old can kill Mike Tyson with a handgun. Mm-hmm. So people uh, are, you know, women are protected. Uh, you know, smaller people, all those, uh, you know, all, all these uh, these uh, groups that might otherwise be at the the mercies of uh, somebody who's bigger and stronger than them would be able to protect themselves. And so, and if you look at uh, crime that's committed. 
the vast majority of it is not violent crime. It's not something that someone get, gets hurt in. I mean, certainly there are violent criminals out there. They do do bad things. Theft, etc. Yeah, but if you have, if if uh, if you were to get rid of all the rest, it's not like all the criminals that we have in in jail today are in fact violent criminals, and those are the people we got to worry about. Toll-free number is 800-259-9231. So I hope I gave Andrew some ideas of how a market justice system might work. Of course, I would like to recommend a book that can help expand uh, those ideas. We'll do that in moments. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free. Enjoy those on us. And if you like this program and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can become an amplifier for as little as 3 bucks a month. We'll take that money in, reinvest it into the show, get on more radio stations around the country, and bring more Internet listeners on board, exposing new people to the ideas of freedom. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com. Get signed up with any major credit card, PayPal, or one of our alternative options at amp.freetalklive.com and get perks like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, chat room, forum, and more. All the details are there at amp.freetalklive.com. So we had an email in from Andrew asking questions about market justice, and it is a tough, tough issue. For me, this was my last... I think the, the justice system in general of kind of how the marketplace could better do police and courts was my real last sticking issue. Because at one time, Mark, I was a uh, considered myself a libertarian, and I kind of had that mentality of, well, you know, uh, cops, courts, we need the government to do these things. And it was, uh, it, was mar- it was a book called The Market for Liberty that really helped me understand how the marketplace could possibly handle justice system sorts of uh, services in a much more efficient and uh, more customer service oriented and more uh, just a better overall fashion. And the book is The Market for Liberty. It's by Morris and Linda Tannehill. You can download a full audio version at uh, at book.freekeen.com. That's book.freekeen.com. It's also available in PDF form and it's, t- it's completely free to you. Now, of course, if you enjoy the book, you may want to consider purchasing yourself a hard copy, uh, which is available through Laissez-Faire Books. But uh, the folks over at Laissez-Faire, uh, we made a little deal with them a few years back about having me cut, essentially turn it into an audiobook for free in that I would do all of the work necessary to create that product. And as a, in return for doing all that work, I would be able to give away the audiobook. And so far, it's been downloaded thousands of times since we've Jeez. put that online. And that's great because it talks about more than just market justice. It talks about the free market, period, getting away from all of these uh, coercively uh, organized government services and essentially marketizing them and, and why, the, uh, why liberty is better and laissez-faire is, uh, is a better approach. It's just a brilliant, uh, brilliant book. But I had to read the justice se- section a few times before it really started to take hold until I could really actually answer people's questions about how the uh, the market could do things better. You may remember, Mark, there was a while where I was just, I, I was pretty stumbly uh, on that issue. Well, it, uh, it always takes practice to get better at these things. I don't know. I, I feel that that's a sticky, you know, one of the sticky issues that it comes to the, the idea of free markets, and that's why I claim to be a cop's, courts and roads libertarian because i don't want to get into the sticky difficult issues with people what i would prefer to do i'll tell you what 
You give me cops. I'll give you cops, courts and roads. You give me liberty as um, on, on the rest of the issues. Uh, you know, some people would claim that the government's going to grow from that point. I think that it's possible that you could write some uh, constitution that would keep it in check for a much longer period of time. I don't know. I would like to see a world where we didn't have coercive governments handling everything and where people got to make choices between which governing organizations that they uh, that they chose wish wish to pick between in the same way that people no longer are tied to geography in their in their uh, religious lives like they used to be. I'd love to see that. I don't know if it's possible, and I, you know, I'm I'm taking a wait and see approach on it. Our toll-free number here is 800-259-9231. Story uh, coming out of WCBSTV.com, New York. As students head across America, to, uh, rather, as students across America prepare to head back to school, officials and parents are bracing for a spike in swine flu cases, with the possibility that nearly two million people will be. Now, people have been saying I've been pronouncing this wrong, Mark. Hospitalized? Hospitalized? I, I can't think of any other way to pronounce it. Well, it's, it's, you're sort of saying it in, in more of an English fashion. Hospitalized. Yeah. Well, you'd say hospitalized. Hospitalized. Mm. It, sounds, it sounds... Either way is fine. Yeah. Any, if anybody's giving you trouble over that, they're being very nitpicky. Okay. And it sounds like Zeus. <laughs> and 90,000 people... Zeus is one of our producers. Uh, and <laughs> yes, 90,000 people across the country could die. Or, excuse me. This article says across the county. I'm pretty sure they mean the country. Uh, (laughs) uh, As one Long Island school district is taking no chances and has set into place a new hands-off approach to fighting the swine flu. Chest bumps, high fives, hugs, and handshakes. Glen Cove Middle School students Ollie Slaughter and Hannah Seltzer say that's what friends do on the first day of school. But when students in the Nassau community return to school next week, the superintendent will be urging abstinence. Everyone from the tiniest tots to the biggest high school football players will be asked to limit skin-on-skin contact in an attempt to prevent the spread of swine flu when it reemerges this fall. Now, how asinine is this? This is... I mean, I don't even have to go through the rest of this story. Don't all of the kids use the same door handle when they go into the classroom? Yeah. If the, assuming the door is open, um, you know, I think I recall doors being open when it was time to go into the class and then not where I went to school. I no. mean, sometimes that might be the case depending on the teacher, but plenty of doors. There was kids coming in and out uh, at all times. You know, they would just open the door. I mean, obviously, there are some kids that will pass through without uh, without touching the door because someone in front of them opened it. But throughout the day, you've got hundreds and thousands of children that are touching the same exact place. Yeah. How many of those kids are coming back from the bathroom after washing their hands? Well, I mean, if you want to, they wash their hands. I, that's what I'm saying. How seems, many of them are? Seems optimistic. I, I mean, that might. I'm sorry. Maybe I phrased that wrong. How many of them are washing their hands when they're in the bathroom? I can tell you, I didn't do it very much. Not a whole bunch. High school. Uh, so, I mean, this is just, this is just a way to get people to stop holding hands at school, isn't it? I, I don't know what it's, uh, what the intent is, but it, this is bound to happen. You were, what, what was that gosh darn, uh, prophetic Sly Stallone movie, uh, where they, where him and Sandra Bullock were, were in there having sex and with, Oh, uh, Demolition Magic Man. Sun, with Magic Sunglasses. That's such a great mo- movie. I, I love that movie. I swear, this is, <laughs> you know, there's so many things that this thing's right about. And, yeah. you, you know, they're going to outlaw real sex at some point. They're going to, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Of course they don't want your kids touching other kids in school. 
you know they're gonna they're gonna outlaw certain they've they certainly outlawed certain types of of speaking and uh, you know it's just gonna get more and more politically correct whatever term you want to use for that as time goes by. One of the students what else could it do? Yeah, one of the students said it's yeah it'll be hard because you really like your friends and you didn't get to see them. The high schooler Erica Cohen is on the soccer team, says she knows even in a game that involves close physical contact, she has to be as careful as she can be. She says, I don't really think it's such a big deal if you wash your hands after. I think it's just you really can't avoid it. Lorena Gallo filled out her health form and decided she can't give up hugging. We're still going to hug it either way, she says. The policy's unorthodox but could be diff- and could be difficult to enforce. But according to their health commissioner... They say it's a good way to educate awareness. Many people are trying to think outside the box creatively how to minimize spread of the illness, how to protect others, and I applaud that thinking, she says. And and remember, they're making this illness to be like this huge, huge thing. This illness it's not even as big as the flu. Hasn't killed as many people as the flu so far. I mean, I realize it's a portion of the, of the flu, but uh, we're getting all wrapped up here in, in something that may be much ado about nothing. The government loves loves uh, an epidemic they love an emergency it's more control it's just an excuse to grow the state war is the health of the state now this if, isn't a war war but uh, you know any excuse to call it an emergency is, is the health of the state if this isn't clear, crystal clear to you this this particular instance let me lay it out for you swine flu warning uh, principal says no more touching Sees more touching swine. There's there's a, a couple of swine flu uh, cases. Okay, now we set in place via the rules. No touching. Touching continues. We must make touching a misdemeanor. Cops brought in, watching school kids in school to prevent them from touching. I mean, does it? Does it, any yeah. part of this sound crazy to it's, you? Yeah. Nuts. Because it doesn't to me. They're already bringing cops in schools to to check out uh, lockers and that kind of thing uh, a couple of times a year. Plus, they have to they have to scare the crap out of the kids to make sure that if there's some kind of emergency, that they'll be have the crap scared out of them. So maybe they, we they should do also, those kind of things. Maybe we should also uh, keep an eye on the kids when they're off school campus. I mean, they might be hanging out and high fiving. They might be high fiving. Some might even kiss when they're off school grounds. So maybe what we need to I have think there's a guarantee. Maybe we just need to have the cops following one cop for every student, and they can just kind of follow the kids around just to make sure that they're, you know, doing the right thing and avoiding all, all human contact. And really, avoidance of human contact is kind of anti-human, isn't it? I mean, aren't humans uh, very interested in being social animals and being appreciated by their fellow human beings? And, you know, we, we, when we grow up uh, with our parents, if, if parents don't hug and parents don't touch and they don't uh, love their kids, then they're more likely to be serial killers and that sort of thing. Isn't there something to be said for human contact and making people feel better about their, you know, helping people feel better serial in general? Serial killers are just another reason why we need the government around. All right, toll-free number is 800-259-9231, so look for this uh, coming soon. Of course, they're also talking about the vaccine for this uh, drug, which they may be forcing on school children. Get your kids out of the government schools uh, while you still can. Hour 3 is coming up. You can bring up anything. It's Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. 
This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. Inviting you to our website. The other talk show hosts want to charge you for their sites. We give it our uh, ours away to you at freetalklive.com, so enjoy. That's freetalklive.com. Last hour, we were talking about how uh, New York, at least, uh, the uh, Nassau School District, is looking at banning touching. In fact, I believe they have decided to ban touching uh, in the whole swine flu scare, using that as their excuse to keep children, uh, keep young people, not just children, but kids of all ages in the school district, keep them away from one another. Because people shouldn't be touching one another. That's just, that's wrong. It's wrong to touch. Dangerous. Might spread germs or something. Uh, which, you know, just as an aside about this, the idea of spreading germs, and of course, as, as I pointed out, the absurdity of having kids not touch one another, I think, is immediately negated by the fact that they're all touching the same handles on the doors that they're going through. As Using the same toilets and right. you know, just in general being around each other. And, and it, you know, I can see what they're trying to do. They're trying to negate the problems with an inefficient and uh, honestly uh, weird system. Putting 1,500 kids in one building and trying to educate them all right there, at busing them in from long distances and early in the morning and all that stuff, separating them by ages distinctly, these are this is an unusual thing to do. I know we do it a lot, and they do it worldwide, mm-hmm. but... It, that's not how you live your life. No. You don't live your life raising your hand to see if you can go to the bathroom or only hanging out with people that are your age. Within a year of your age, yeah. Right. And that it, it's just, it's very odd that that many people in one building, certainly that's done in some places. It's quite unnatural. I agree with you. But people claim, and I have to believe them, that our public school system was created in, in order to fill, you know, to create worker bees in order to fill factories. John we Taylor Gatto have... says that, and he was the New York Speaking of New York, he was the New York State Teacher of the Year, and, and he's come out against government schools at this point. We don't even have uh, factories like we used to have. Many people work in much smaller offices now. But uh, it's still about docile docility and obedience. It's still about having that. people – it's still about com- essentially turning out a product. The students, your children, you were the product. Me, we were the product of the government education system. And, uh, you know, some people they had more success with than others, obviously, as far as their indoctrination is, is concerned. But the idea is to turn out a docile little obedient serf that will just go along to get along, not question his circumstances, and you know, kind of plug into the corporate world until they're old enough to retire and then move on, collect Social Security and pass away. I mean, that's kind of what it's, it's set up for is to keep people, keep them quiet, you know, make it so they don't ask too many questions. Accept the government system that they're presented with. Don't think outside the box. But, you know, what I wanted to talk about was the the whole idea of germs, right? You know, germs. ah. I was watching this show uh, called Hoarders, and I don't think I've mentioned it on the air. Uh, You do love a good hoarder. Somebody somebody sent me this. They sent me a, a notice that this show exists. And for course, good reason. I mean, it's the perfect. It's targeted right at you. Oh you my love gosh. hoarders. No, I don't love them. I'm just disturbed by them <laughs> and fascinated uh, by them. And this show is fascinating in that it. I've talked on this program about Clean Sweep, which is a show that I watched um, earlier in this decade that my mother turned me on to, saying that I, you know, oh, you'll dig this. And indeed, it was a great program because it showed people's 
uh, living arrangements. And essentially, the, a crew would go in and they'd see this people, or just a regular person's house, a regular family's house. And people are, you know, they collect things. That's what people do. If they've got a space, they fill it with stuff. And I think everybody's on a continuum, right? You know, you've got people like um, the hoarders that are way over toward the end of the continuum that just fill their every inch of their space with a bunch of junk and a bunch of crap that they'll never actually need, but they think they will. And then you've got just kind of regular average people that just kind of collect things and, and put them places, but maybe in a more orderly fashion. They still just collect and collect. There's people that are, uh, make a point of simplifying their life. And then there are people that are extremely simple, you know, people like Peace Pilgrim, which is this lady I'm, I've been reading about who gave up all of her worldly possessions and just decided to go on pilgrimages and walked carrying nothing more than the clothes on her and what she might be able to fit in her small pockets. And she was essentially given everything that she needed to survive uh, without asking for it as she, she she went along her way, which is an ama- it's an amazing story. But she's so she's on one end of uh, you know very very simple, and then uh, as far as keeping her possessions simple, and then uh, way on the other end of the hoarders. So I was ta- I was I've been talking about this clean sweep show, which just kind of went into regular people's lives in their homes and. They'd clean out uh, several rooms, and they'd they'd force the people to essentially decide. You know, do you need this gigantic teddy bear? It's been sitting in your closet for for five years. Are you actually going to use this thing? And and watching them struggle with themselves as they Must were trying teddy to de- bear. right as they were trying to decide whether or not to let go of their possession. Uh, it was fascinating just watching the regular people. But now they've taken it to a whole new level with this hoarders program because it's all about people who are pack rats, people whose houses are disgusting, uh, just sick. These people are twisted in the head. There's some sort of, I don't know... It must. I think it's a learned behavior to some extent because, say, we're talking about one of the guys was talking about how his dad used to bring things home and his dad kind of taught him the ways of, you know, seeing something you might want to use someday and taking it home and putting it somewhere. And... But it's just a fascinating uh, look into the, into these people's lives and into their homes, into their the mentality uh, that that drives this. In one couple's case, the lady I'm talking about the first episode. There's only been two episodes so far. It's an A and E show, and I believe full episodes are available through their website. But uh, there's one couple. One lady is an obsessive, compulsive shopper, and her husband is the pack rat. Mm-hmm. So she goes out and buys to try to make herself feel better. That's her mentality is her dad died and it was real tough on her because she was a daddy's girl. So now she goes out and she she shops to try to you know reclaim some semblance of that'll make it better. Yeah, feeling good. Of course, it never satisfies her. Uh, so Why would it? she keeps buying it's stuff. Completely unrelated. Right. She keeps buying stuff uh, and this guy won't get rid of a single thing. So their house is just full of junk. Theirs was a bad enough story. But there was another lady in the show. They do two uh, hoarders, two hoarders' homes per, per one-hour show. The other lady was 60 years old and really a, a lot crazier. She, had, she has cats. And, That's uh, always a good, good, uh, you know, a great good way combo. to mix it up. Yeah. Great, great combo with, uh, with a hoarding uh, factor because you're, you're hoarding, so you're just piling stuff everywhere in your house, all kinds of just crap. And if a cat goes and pees over in the corner of the, the room that you've hoarded stuff in, yep. you're never going to be able to get over to clean you've it. You've got so. cats. Cats, uh, you know, they, they, they like clean litter boxes. Many, many of them like clean litter boxes, won't use a dirty one. So trying to keep up with, oh, I don't know, six, ten, 20 cats in their litter boxes. Once you get once you get to uh, 20 cats, there's just simply no way to keep up with it. I don't Ten, know how don't many she, you how you would. I don't know how many she had. It wasn't apparent they didn't mention that. But in watching her segment, 
the reason I even brought this up was the germs issue, right? We were talking about the kids and the germs and the fear. Oh, they can't let the kids touch. This woman's frid- refrigerator, the, the, the footage from what was in her refrigerator w- will shock and stun anybody who watches it. Her, the way she determined whether or not she would eat something was if it had bloated. So the date on the product, let's say cup of yogurt. The date on the product, she'd ignore that entirely. It could be six months expired. In fact, they found yogurts in her fridge that were more than six months expired. But as long as the package wasn't bloated in her decision, it was A-OK. Oh, boy. I mean, this was her this was her one determining factor as to whether or not she would consume a product that has had been sitting in her fridge. Some of the things she was keeping, they were going through her her. Uh, the stuff in her fridge, and she was looking very uh, seriously at uh, whether or not she wanted to keep some of this utterly disgusting crap. One of the guys that was helping her with this says, look, lady, that's that piece of meat is green on the inside. She had wanted to keep it. So uh, what I'm pointing out here <laughs> is that this woman was living her life for who knows how long. She's 60 years old. Her house is full of crap. Old pumpkins rotting in different places in the house. Just disgusting. She's living in this filth and eating from this refrigerator where her policy is if it's bloated, she won't eat it. So what kind of bacteria and what kind of germs and what kind of stuff is she shoveling into herself? And people are worried about kids giving themselves a high five? Seems clear to me the human body can handle a little bit of germiness here and there. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. If you dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Features including Facebook. You can join the Free Talk Live Facebook fan page at facebook.freetalklive.com. That is facebook.freetalklive.com. We go to your phone calls about what you want here in moments. But first, I want to tell you about the Free State Project, from creating new and old media to political action to civil disobedience and market-based activism. You'll find more pro-freedom activism than you'll likely ever imagined possible when you move to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. Learn more and get signed up at freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. To your phone calls, Bill is in North Carolina on the amp line. Hello, Bill. Ian and Mark, how are you guys? What's on your mind tonight, Bill? Um, I just finished business school, and I happened to take a class on a subject called behavioral economics, and I'm not sure how familiar you guys are with this. I'm not. Okay, so I'll give you a couple examples. It it can be from everything as as innocuous as if I were to uh, move to New Hampshire for the Free State Project, and on a Saturday I asked you guys to help me move and didn't offer you any money. I'm guessing, if not you guys, some of the activists would probably come help because of social norms, right? They okay. wouldn't expect anything out of it. But maybe in the future, if they needed help, I would offer to help them out. All right. um, and like, likewise, if I offered to pay them a couple hundred bucks for their time, they probably also would do it, right? I mean, that's a decent amount of money for a couple hours of work. Most people would probably do it. Sure. Um, and now if I offered them $5, they would probably be far less likely to do it, right? Because Rather than being in the arena of social norms, I would still be in the business norms area, but it's not enough to make it worth their time. Does right. that kind of make sense to you guys? Making sense, sure. 
Okay, but then where it starts to get very hairy um, is, and, and sorry, the reason I bring this topic up is because Obama's new regulatory czar is... Oh, wait, 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 before, you, before, well, oh, before you get to the explanation, just a little bit more on sorry. behavioral economics. So you're, are you saying that behavioral economics is the study of how people in the marketplace, individuals in the marketplace, uh, make, make decisions um, as far right. as... That, that, that aren't exactly rational, right? I mean, if we were all acting purely rationally... Uh, you would be more likely to help me if I offered you $5 than if I offered you zero. Um, and that's what the behavioral econo- economics folks think. Now, you and I can probably say, well, you probably, Ian, would get some satisfaction out of helping a fellow free stater that's worth more than $5. But that's not the way these, these people think. They're you know, kind of brainiacs and, and the 10,000-pound heads in the room. Right. Mm, okay. All right, so go ahead. Um, but where it gets really, where it starts to get a little more tricky is they do studies on stuff like um, organ donations. And they look at, let's say, Belgium and the Netherlands, two similar countries in a similar part of the world, similar uh, you know, ethnic religious makeups, and they see that Belgium has a 10% organ donor rate and the Netherlands has a, I, I'm making up numbers here, but a 70 or 80% organ donor rate. All right. And the difference is, you know, everyone does the organ donor when you go to get your driver's license. And on one, on the, the country that has the higher donation rate, uh, the box will be, you know, the, it'll say, check this box if you want to opt out of being an organ donor. Right? right. You have to take a step to not become an organ donor. Whereas in the country with the low organ donor rate, you would have to check the box to become an organ donor. Makes sense. And and the, another term for this is they call it paternalistic uh, libertarianism, right? So they haven't actually taken away your choice, but they've certainly uh, imparted their values on as to what you should do. Got it. And it's, I, I, I wrestled with this for a while, and in the end I decided, well, if they are asserting that I have to check a box to, 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 to assert my own ownership of my body, then it's wrong. But But – when there's a very high-ranking guy in the Obama administration named Cass Sunstein who's espousing these views, and I think it's something we all kind of need to watch out for. This is the guy. Shoot, we had mentioned his name in the past, and he was a big control freak. I'm spacing out on exactly what it was that that we had talked about him in the past. But this Cass Sunstein, what's his role within with the? The Obama administration. Well, he's the so-called regulatory czar or something like that. I mean, he's going to have power in all sorts of little, you know, his hands in a bunch of different pies. Um, I'm not sure exactly what that entails. I think they probably keep him intentionally nebulous to throw off the surfs, you know. Hmm. Probably true. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks I had heard his name. I can't remember what it was. And I remember being very disturbed by the... Uh, um, you know, the, the the area that his name was uh, mentioned yeah, it's, in conjunction with. Yeah, and I'll let you guys go, but just when you see articles with that guy's name in them, be very, very wary because they're going to use, like, all sorts of little mind tricks and manipulations. Having taken a whole semester of this stuff, I can tell you, they're, they're just going to try to manipulate things and get people to do what they want. And it's it's very, very, uh, very, very scary. Thank you for that. And I pulled up Cass's uh, Wikipedia page here. And thank you for the call tonight, Bill. I appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. I mean, just briefly scrolling down here, not really knowing exactly what I was going to see, there's a heading called Taxes, where Sunstein, I mean, this is a bad guy, Sunstein has argued that we should celebrate Tax Day. 
He appears to claim the very concepts of property and society are based on government and taxes, saying this, In what sense is the money in our pockets and bank accounts fully ours? Did we earn it by our own autonomous efforts? Could we have inherited it without the assistance of probate courts? Do we save it without the support of bank regulators? Could we spend it if there were no public officials to coordinate the efforts and pool the resources of the community in which we live? Without taxes, there would be no liberty. (laughs) Without taxes, there would be no property. Without taxes... Few of us would have any assets worth defending. The, the only property, the, the way, as, he, as he sees it, the only property is the property that the government tells you you have. So therefore, without taxes, there wouldn't be any property. He's right by his definition of what property is. It is a dim fiction that some people enjoy and exercise their rights without placing any burden whatsoever on the public fisc. There is no liberty without dependency, says Cass Sunstein. How about that one? There is no liberty without dependency. Hmm. That's pretty twisted. He's clearly our better. Uh, so, yeah, this is the guy that, that uh, Barack Obama has... Oh, wait, Supreme Court candidate? Is that what this guy's looking at here? No, um, that wasn't what that was about. Okay, well... It's well, one of these czars. If you know more about this uh, Cass Sunstein character, you're certainly welcome to... Uh, oh, okay, okay, here, here it is, here it is. His book, his most recent book, is on rumors, how falsehoods spread, why we believe them, and what can be done. This was the guy that was talking about regulating uh, speech on the Internet. Ah. This was the guy that was basically saying that if your website in the, the comments, and this is my recollection, and if I'm wrong, please correct me, but basically if the comments on your website, this you know Web 2.0 where people are allowed to comment on things and there's forums and a lot more interactivity in Web 2.0 than there was in Web 1.0, uh, he's basically saying that you could be liable. This was this was the story that that you could be held liable if this guy gets his way with the the federal government and if somebody makes a comment on one of your blog posts that is uh, is incorrect or libelous or something like that that you'd be responsible for the comments on your blog. I believe that was the story That's about a this good character. Idea. Really scary dude. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. He also believes that animals have rights. Hmm. Maybe we can look into that here, uh, too, coming up. See what else we can unearth on this guy, Cass Sunstein. And you can also call in about anything. It's Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation. Well, now we've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some very special rates on some of my favorite gold and silver pieces. The 20 franc has been made and trusted worldwide. They're about a fifth of an ounce of gold, easily carried on your person in case of emergencies, untracked by the government, of a size that one can do business with. Who would turn down a 100-year-old gold coin? Get them for $216 a piece. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same as it is for one coin as it is for 20. So try to get as many as you can at once. 877-857-9938, gold.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live, it is your show, and you can bring up whatever you want. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, features, by the way, including the, uh, the the archives, the live streams. You can grab live streams uh, in various different flavors. We've got a dial-up version, a broadband version, even a webcam, all at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen. Dot freetalklive.com. 
You know, I I don't like taking those big giant horse pills that uh, many vitamins, uh, the form in um, which they come. So I've started taking Choose for Health's Super Fruit Complex, and you can get a free week by just calling 800-219-8874 and try it out for yourself and see if it's uh, right for you. Not only is it a vitamin, but it's a antioxidant at the same time. It's, it contains goji, mangosteen, acai, and nani fruit. Many experts contend that these would be some of the most nutrient-rich fruits that the world has to offer. Get a free week by calling 800-219-8874. Choose for health. All you have to do is pay for shipping and handling. 800-219-8874. The toll-free number again, 800-259-9231. So uh, Bill had called in to tell us about a little bit about uh, what he called uh, behavioral economics and mentioned this Cass Sun- Sunstein character who apparently was nominated at one point for the office of something or other. And uh, let me see if I can pull that up here. But apparently his nomination was blocked. And again, this is all according to Wikipedia, so how much of it is exact, I, I'm not sure. But uh, So uh, even though he was blocked for that one particular office, that doesn't mean he's not still advising Obama. He's he's buddy-buddy uh, with Obama. And there's something worth mentioning here that they talk about briefly in the Wikipedia article and then at examiner.com they get in a little more detail and this really proves that this Cass Sunstein character does think he knows better than you. This is a guy who looks down his nose at the rest of the American people and, well, allow me to explain what nudging is. The term probably began to buzz, and this is from the Dallas Business Commentary Examiner's Robert, Robert Morris. This term probably began to buzz loudest. Choice architecture, actually, is what it's called. Choice architecture. Architecture? Anyway, uh, the term probably began to buzz loudest when Richard Thaler and Cass Sunstein's book, Nudge, Improving Decisions About Health, Wealth, and Happiness, was published in April of 2008. A revised and updated edition was published earlier this year. As they explain in their book, a nudge is, quote, any aspect of the choice architecture that alters people's behavior in a predictable way without forbidding options or significantly changing their economic incentives. The context of a decision is almost this is not their quote right and what this uh, this would contend that that you know bureaucrats and people who are smarter than everybody else like Cass for instance mm-hmm. smarter than you and I have to actually design choices it's choice architecture after right. all that's all he's doing he's designing the choice to encourage to you. encourage people to do the right thing as though Cass knows in fact what the right thing is mm-hmm. and as though over time people won't act in a rational form in the aggregate that people are just dumb monkeys and they must be you know guided I, I, you know I don't know but who's he to decide how does he know what the right choice is well uh, the context of a decision according to Morris is always excuse me, almost always shapes or frames the decision. The more efficient and appropriate the architecture of that context is, the more likely that a sound decision will be made. They urge supervisors to become competent choice architects so they can create user-friendly environments for those for whom they're responsible. In other words, do everything possible to help them succeed, just as the best coaches do everything they can to prepare their teams to win or at least to make their best effort. Well, this, this coach thing suggests that they're even on your side. In my opinion, says the writer of the article, one of the most valuable suggestions in the book is to take full advantage of incentives, recognition, and rewards rather than requirements to nourish self-motivation and thereby to achieve voluntary commitment and engagement. First as commanding general, then as president. George Washington is a perfect example of a leader who let others have it his way. 
Thaler and Sunstein would characterize him as a libertarian paternalist, one of those who care deeply about freedom and are skeptical about approaches that prevent people from going their own way. So this Cass Sunstein is considered a libertarian paternalist in that he claims he doesn't want to take the choices off the table. But what he does want to do is is kind of highlight the choices and use certain incentives, which no doubt will be things like government uh, cash for clunkers programs mm-hmm. and cash for refrigerators, things like that, that right. aren't really market-based incentives. But, those to, are, but that's not a choice because I had no choice as to whether or not I wanted to fund cash for clunkers. That's a good point. And um, also, the, the, what they're talking about here is all fine and dandy. It's great. What, the, the architecture of choice, that's, it's beautiful to, to design with your verbiage around, um, you know, getting people to do, you know, what you believe is the right thing. That's fine. Whatever. I'm all for it. As long as you aren't working for an organization that has a monopoly privilege on force and taxation. That's when it the problem comes in. So uh, just to kind of give you an idea of this man's mentality and, and what he thinks and There's more here. Uh, Animal rights, according to Wikipedia, Sunstein has also written often in favor of animal rights, saying every reasonable person believes in animal rights. I guess I'm unreasonable then, because I believe that rights, first of all, don't really exist. There's, I mean, it's just a concept. It's a valuable concept, one worthy of holding in high esteem, one that I personally like and subscribe to. I enjoy the idea of rights, but there's no real thing, there's no tangible substance uh, known as a right. It's just a common agreement between people to uh, behave in a, a certain appropriate manner. You know, I have the right to do this, and you have the right to do this, and you can do what you want on your property as long as you don't hurt me, and I can do what I want on mine as long as I don't hurt you. And uh, it's, a, it's a good agreement. But as human beings, we have the ability to come to agreements like that. As uh, between uh, people, between individuals, we can make decisions that say, okay, this would benefit us. Let's behave in this fashion. Animals, on the other hand, don't do that. No. They uh, don't respect your rights. They don't respect your property. They don't have the ability to make those rights-respecting decisions. So if they don't respect rights, how can they have rights? Sure. Um, (laughs) You know, if a bow weevil or a uh, termite decides that he wants to live in my house, um, he can just—he's just going to go ahead and do that. He's a little burglar. Yeah. Um, (laughs) He's—and he's not even looking at it as though he's uh, stealing anything or doing what he needs to do. Doing, you know, living in someone's house without paying rent or whatever it is. Is that he's doing? He doesn't just even doing, know what a house is. And he has no idea. And when you look at, if if you're going to assume that animals have rights, I think you have to assume that they have all of the ones that that humans have, don't you? <laughs> I mean, they don't just have the right to life, but they have the right to property, the the right to sustain themselves, to be unmolested without uh, without molesting somebody first. And you have to what what you have to do is you then have to look at everything, every contact you have with the physical world. It disturbs some kind of creature. Now, uh, surely this uh, Cass wouldn't suggest that only mammals have rights, right? He wouldn't say that just no, no. just the animals with hair have rights, or just the ones with uh, 
you know, a clearly developed central nervous system. Those are the ones with rights. Uh, you know, all these things. You, you really dig deep into this issue. When I built my house, I'm sure that there were some moles that their house was displaced. They had to go live elsewhere. Things are, things are now changed um, there when, when I yeah. built my house. When I travel through the air, there's probably microscopic crap that's all bounced all over the place. I, I, you know, when I eat, I'm sure I'm consuming these things. Where yep. do these rights start and stop? I'm, I'm not sure just, Cass knows. I'm, 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 I'm sure Cass could decide where. He's well, smart, right? But Cass would fall short. There are lots of organisms with lots of rights. If we're giving these things rights, they have rights, do they not? Uh, I, I'd like to find out how their uh, land is uh, handed down uh, you know, from, <laughs> from uh, one generation to the next. I'm, I'm really curious about this. Who decides? It's very difficult. He says also that human willingness to subject animals to unjustified suffering will be seen as a form of unconscionable barbarity, morally akin to slavery and the mass extermination of human beings. And I, I generally agree that animals shouldn't be tortured and, and unjustified suffering should not be uh, should force should be forced upon them. I don't want to see barbarity towards animals either. No, uh, but he's got a little bit more to say here. Uh, wants to ban hunting and wants to. This is a great one. Wants to give animals a right to bring suit. I'd like to see that horse uh, fill out the, the lawsuit form. I mean, what? Well, we'll come back with a little more. Take your calls as well about anything. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can take control even in these remaining moments. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. Inviting you to our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those. And if you like the show and you want to help uh, Free Talk Live out, you can shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Just enter Amazon through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. And it's no extra cost to you. It's the same great Amazon prices. Amazon just sends us a percentage of the sale for sending them the business. So go and get your shopping done. Get the stuff that you need. Get the stuff that you want at amazon.freetalklive.com. And coming up, your chance to get some stuff free from Totasac. We've been talking about Totasac over the last uh, couple weeks now on the program, and uh, I'm going to give you a phone number. Don't call now. We'll give it to uh, give you the opportunity to call here in a little bit. 603-435-1105. That's going to be the uh, the prize line tonight. 603-435-1105. I'll give it out again a little bit later. But uh, I want to give you the opportunity to win a two-pack of Totasacs. Now, you can go to totasac.com, T-O-T-A-S-A-K.com to learn more about it. But it's basically a 100% recycled material product. It's a, it's a handle, essentially, that is designed to simplify all kinds of carrying tasks. My favorite task so far uh, to simplify with the Totasac is bring, bringing the groceries in. Uh, I did it today, Mark, and I was uh, so proud. Uh, you, you heard me brag when I came in. <laughs> Nobody. I'm so excited about these things. I, I I have to say they are amazing little handles. Uh, yeah, we've got I've got two, so we have a two pack here, and uh, I brought the two pack uh, out to the the car. We had our groceries in there, and Julia and I usually go grocery shopping once every two weeks, so we buy a number of groceries. Uh, so just for just for the two of us, we had about eleven bags of groceries and loaded them up on the uh, the two tota sacks and carried them all into the house one trip. Now, I still had like a, a box of beer that I had to go out for. Obviously, they weren't going to help me with that, but, but significantly reducing the amount of trips out to the car. If that's what you, if, if you wanted 
to uh, have put the, that beer in a, like a double bag, you certainly could have. Maybe. I don't know if a, if, if a 12-pack will fit into might make it tough. A, sh- a shopping bag. But my point is, I would have normally have had to have made maybe two to three trips uh, for, the, the, for 11 bags of stuff. Whereas with the Toto Sacks, between just, just me, I had all 11 bags full of groceries on two Toto Sacks and walked into the front door with them. It's a great product, and you're going to have a chance to win some uh, coming up here shortly. All right, let's continue here briefly about Cass Sunstein. He's one of the many people that are advising uh, Obama. And just to kind of give you a, a look into this guy's mindset, he thinks that uh, animals have rights. And, of course, as I pointed out, if they don't respect rights, they can't have rights. And animals right. don't respect rights. In the same rights. way that criminals don't have rights once they violate someone else's rights, animals haven't even uh, entered into the agreement that is sort of rights. I, think animals I believe it is cruel and uh, despicable to treat an animal in a in a cruel fashion and you know poorly for no good absolutely. reason. Absolutely, but then people should be ostracized uh, for doing absolutely. things like that. I, I you, know, uh, you know, if you take the extreme example of uh, some guy who wants to beat his dog with an axe handle while tied to a tree in his front yard, I think that that's terrible, terrible behavior. However, if you uh, outlaw that guy doing that, then what about the guy who wants to slaughter a pig in his front yard so that he can have pork to feed his family? Where do you draw that, the line? Who draws the line? That pork that you buy at the grocery store doesn't come growing on trees, people. Yeah. It's from a slaughtered pig. Well, uh, and and who di- who makes the decisions? Apparently, Cass Sunstein uh, would like to make the decisions about where those lines are to be drawn. He thinks that hunting should be banned, and I don't agree uh, with hunting. I think it's uh, it's not necessary today in uh, this day and world. But I wouldn't want to ban it. If you want to go out and shoot animals, uh, then that's you know it's that's not your necessary, business. It's not necessary to do home gardening either. Yeah. However, it's a skill that people some people feel is necessary um, in in case you know there's there's economic collapse, which the government has just about guaranteed at this point, Cass. Who, uh, now, he also says that the animals should have the right to bring suit. And he says that, if, that it's possible that before long, Congress will grant standing to animals to protect their own rights and interests. How, how, oh, I what? think it's quite possible what he's saying is true. Well, wait, if, even if you've got the situation of this despicable man in his front yard beating his dog with an axe handle, how is the dog going to be restituted in that case? What is the, the, what's the man going to do? Make payments? To the dog or something like that? I mean, it's, it's I just know. ludicrous. I don't know. This is exactly what a court system needs is to, uh, you know, tie up, uh, tie up the existing court system, which is already tied up with a bunch of nonsense, with uh, animal rights lawsuits, where somebody brings a suit on supposedly on behalf of the animal, and then they collect the paycheck. And right? you can believe that the incrementalism, the, 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 the mission creep that is government, will just take this over. It, essentially, there are people out there. Listen to me. There are people out there that want none of us to eat meat. Mm-hmm. They feel that eat, meeting, eating meat is inefficient, that the earth could supply far more people, uh, you know, the, the food and calories by, you know, just eating soybeans or whatever it is that they, they feel is the right thing to, for us to eat. But I can tell you what, the, what they think the right thing is, is, is not meat. So they would like it if none of us could eat meat at all. 
And I've really, I, I don't like the, I, I don't like the idea of initiating force on a creature that does not want to have that force initiated on it. And I have thought long and hard on this issue. And the best I can see is if an animal has a right to life, they have a right to liberty, and they have the right to uh, property. And if if you start affording these rights to animals, you have, we, 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 we it, the world is going to be completely different. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go to your phone calls. You can bring up anything. Time Tyler is in California. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Tyler. Tyler, California, going once. Tyler in California, going twice. We'll try Rick in California. Hello, 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 hello. Hey, Tyler, you're on the air. Hey, how's it going? Sorry about tonight, Tyler. Uh, nothing, nothing much. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been listening to your uh, thing about the animal rights, and I just wanted to say, man, it, it's, the wor- it's the worst when you have vegetarians that eat cheese. Yeah. Because you're like, come on, it's like the nectar of meat. What are you, the nectar of meat? Like cheese, you know, the vegetarians I, I, that still eat cheese. cheese. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's, like the ne- it's like the nectar of meat. I mean, would you rather have the cow die, or would you rather have them strapped to a thing sucking their teeth the ent- their entire life? You I'll know? tell you, um, the fact is, uh, dairy cows... Although they are a modified species that is unlike the original species, now line up twice a day in order to get milked. These cows want very badly to get milked because they have been bred so that their udders get so full of milk that that thing will rupture if they don't oh, get. Um, dairy farmers don't get vacations. These these guys work very hard <laughs> to do what they do. I agree that uh, you've got the, the 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 marketplace is incentivized in an odd fashion, and that a person can't be a very uh, uh, you know, they can't be a very proud vegetarian if they have eggs and uh, milk and wait all these minute, other wait things. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on, hold on. I thought the vegetarians had no problem with eating products from animals. It's the vegans, vegans. that, uh, that yeah. are the issue. And oh, are, well, that's, a, you know, it's debatable whether, you know, people say true vegetarians or, Well, you know, then you're vegan, talking about whatever. vegans. I mean, and vegans, you won't see them eating cheese and, and stuff like that. Oh, of course part. not, they're, yeah. They're but really my other insane. thing was, I, is I remember you had a segment the other day about... Um, about garage sales, how the government was going to start regulating what you could sell at garage sales, right? Well, there, what the, there's a, I know that the guys over at Free Minds uh, Radio have been really covering this in, in depth at freemindsradio.com, Radio, Free but uh, it's my understanding that there certain regulations have gone into place that say that if you are trying to resell something that has been recalled, that that will be a federal crime at this point. And yeah, and you know, I'm an eBay seller, so what I'm what I'm worried about is the government sticking their nose into that. I mean, what can I expect as far as the Obama administration and and taxation on my eBay sales? Well, here's what you could expect from the government: arbitrary uh, decisions that you you know you don't expect to be coming down the pipe. Um, them being far more overreaching, costing you more money and everything that you do. I mean, that's what you can expect from the government. What yeah. what form is it going to take for you as an eBay seller? It's Hard to say. Hard to say. But I'd they say, will surprise you. I can assure you of that. I, I would say it's likely that eBay will uh, will issue a warning, and then if you don't uh, stop attempting to sell that item, they will probably ban your account. And who knows when the the criminal charges will will come into play. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it's not. We're not far off from federal agents raiding garage sales at this point. They say they're not going to do that, but talk is cheap. I thank you for the call tonight. Let's go quickly to Rick in California. You're on Free Talk Live, Rick. Hey, uh, I was going to ask one question, but actually something more interesting came up. I, I would say that animals have the same rights as humans have because humans are animals. So if you're allowed to go and kill pigs to eat them, you should be allowed to kill people, too, to eat them. It's, and it, 
there should be a way to prove me wrong there, but I don't think that you can come up with a, a logical way. Uh, to prove animals me wrong. have animals. That, I think the separation between most animals and human beings is we have the ability to uh, rash, you know to rationalize, to enter into contracts, to come into agreements with one another, and I think we've understood over time no, that, that killing each other is not a, a very productive thing to do. Apes actually have unwritten contracts, basically. I mean, it's somewhat instinctive, but not all instinctive. And people that study their primitive culture know that they, they do have these rules in their society, and they don't. They could eat each other, and they could get, you know, some kind of nutrients from eating each other, but they generally don't. You can, just... you can eat other people. That's a possibility. However, you open yourself up to essentially entering into a state of nature at that right. point. Then you're yeah, the you... animal, too, and then you're going to be treated like one. Yeah, I don't want to devolve. Thank you for the call. Uh, we're going to give you a two-pack of Toda Sacks to wrap the show up here tonight. We're going to take the second caller at 603-435-1105. Second caller wins a two-pack of Toda Sacks, and we'll see you tomorrow night online at freetalklive.com. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet! And get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com.